Hello, how you doing? You're locked into Soho Radio. It is the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show with myself, Andy Smith. Flying solo tonight. Other two guys are away. And if you didn't uh, know already, the uh, Reach Up Disco Wonderland album came out on Friday on BBE Records. Did some uh, great shows at the weekend in Manchester, in Bristol, and an in-store in the BBE uh, store in London. All good. So for the next two hours, it's going to be all about disco and boogie and an interview with Ralph Roll. In case you don't know, Ralph Roll is the drummer with uh, Nile Rogers and Chic. And I had a chat with him in a uh, restaurant in Soho a couple of weeks ago. And he had a lot of things to say. He's, uh, 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 he's done a lot of things in his career, that's for sure. So he'll be uh, talking about uh, his uh, life experiences and uh, all the things he's been up to. And, uh, you know, there'll be some stories about Sheik in there as well. OK, first, uh, uh, that will be up about uh, nine o'clock. I think we'll run that interview for half an hour. Uh, first two tunes out of the bag were uh, Log featuring Leroy Burgess. I think Leroy Burgess is in town at the minute, actually. There you go. I know you will. And um, then Lace, I uh, just heard there with uh, Let's... Uh, no, you can't. Can't play around. Can't play OK, let's take a track from the uh, Reach Up compilation. Tomiko Jones, a track called Let It Flow. Thank you. 
Mellow tunes. First one of those two was Let It Flow by Tomiko Jones, taken from the uh, Reach Up Disco Wonderland album on BB. And that there in the background is the unmistakable tones of Mr. Bill Withers. That's a re edit of a track called Same Love. Nice that. Andy Smith with the uh, Disco Show, a Reach Up Disco Wonderland show here on uh, Soho Radio. Let's take it to 1979 with this one. Don't hear this very much. Crown Heights Affair. There's a track called Dance, Lady Dance.
with me, you know? We went dancing, we went loving, and we met funny, you know? Yeah! You know what I told him? What you tell him? I said, get the hung, fung, yeah. tongue, yeah. song, child. Well, that ain't what she said last night. <laughs> she said, tonight, brother. That's a mad tune if I ever heard one. A tune called Far Beyond. By a crazy uh, bunch of funky dudes called Locksmith. And before that, you heard the uh, Joey Negro uh, re-edit of Stella by Norman Connors. This is the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show on uh, Soho Radio. I've got to tell you, we've got a new website. Yay! We've been building our website for a while. Big up to Chrissy for doing that. And uh, the website, if you want to go and check it out, www.reachupdiscowonderland.com. Nice and easy. Uh, but it hasn't been there for long, so I think if you search for it on Google, it might not come up. So you've got to put the whole address in, I think, for the minute until we're, you know, established and people have looked at it a few times. So www.reachupdiscowonderland.com for the new website. Okay, more tunes. Inner Life with Corda.
There you go, the whispers with uh, this kind of loving. You're locked into Soho Radio, Andy Smith with the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show. And uh, before that, we had Inner Life on uh, Prelude Records with uh, Caught Up uh, in a One Night Love Affair. Okay, got 20 minutes to go and we will be running an interview with Ralph Roll. If you don't know who Ralph Roll is, he's the uh, the drummer from Noel Rogers Presents Chic and has done many, many other things in the past. And he's the guy that actually does the David Bowie uh, bit of the show, if you remember that. For everybody who watched Glastonbury, wasn't that an amazing show? Okay. Okay, um, got a few more to play then before then. This is a UK group from Liverpool who had a few big hits, as you probably remember. Probably the biggest was uh, You To Me Are Everything. But this is the real thing with a funkier tune called Boogie Down, brackets, Get Funky Now.
Another track from the Reach Up Disco Wonderland compilation. Neddy Smith would give it up. And before that, a track taken from uh, another compilation on BB, but not the uh, Reach Up Disco Wonderland app. Taken from the uh, John Morales uh, re- remixed album Eminem Remixes Volume 4. That was his, uh, his remix of Got to Be Real by Cheryl Lynn. 
Okay, got to give a uh, shout-out to people from the weekend because I was up in Manchester at a club called Cottonopolis on Thursday. Got to give a shout-out to Dave up there and uh, Dom. Everybody sorted me out. That was a, a fantastic night in uh, in Manchester. Really good. And then Friday, uh, everybody down at the Loving there in Bristol. Big shout-out to Mr. Paul Morrissey and uh, Graham Millard. And Graham, I'm going to play a tune for you in a minute as well. And uh, everybody else who uh, uh, let me come and talk on the, their other radio stations like uh, the Disco Freaks, big up to them. Uh, also Pete on Worldwide and uh, anybody else who's supported the uh, Reach Up Disco Wonderland album. We got to Craig Charles as well. Okay, Graham Miller, we were talking about this on Friday night, this record. So I thought I'd dig it out and play it for you. Although he says the break isn't long enough. It is pretty long. <laughs> T-Connection. Track or do what you want to do. After this, we'll have the interview with uh, Mr. Ralph Roll of Chic. Can everybody start to pick on you? Just can't let them tell you what to do. You've only got one life, so live it cool. In this world of stripe, you can't be a fool. Let nobody tell you what to do. Gotta be your judge and your jury too.
you go. Going out to Graham Millard. I'll fit in as much as I could there, Graham. <laughs> T-Connection with Do What You Want to Do. And now before we run the interview with uh, Ralph Frog, i also got to uh, thank everybody that was down at the BBE in-store on Saturday afternoon. Which you can catch up again on the BBE Music, I believe, if you go to their Facebook page. So I've got a shout-out to Will there. Also, uh, Neil, Sean for coming down. Tim Parsons, nice to see you, sir. Uh, Mr. Thing. Grace selling the records as well. Thank you to everybody down there. It was, a, it was a fun session, fun afternoon playing tunes. Okay, it's nine o'clock, so it's interview time. This is the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show on Soho Radio. Okay, uh, I am here in a uh, restaurant in the centre of London talking to Ralph Roll, who is the drummer in uh, Chic with Nile Rogers. Uh, but he's done many other things as well, which I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll talk about. Um, first of all, how, how, how is things going with the, with the tour and everything that you're doing? You've been in, in Dub- uh, Dublin and Liverpool and now you're in London, how's, how's things going with that? Uh, things have been going really, really well. We've been having some incredible shows. Uh, all shows have been sold out. The O2 was sold out, um, and it's been it's been fun. It's always fun when we uh, play together. Uh, we have a great band. I mean, I mean, all your shows probably sell out, do they? I mean, I've seen you know various things on television and, and heard things, and it just always looks like that it's always a sellout show. Is is that the case? As of late, it seems so. Um, we do very well in uh, Europe. Uh, most places in Europe really accept us uh, as the group that they want to see. It's almost like family. You know, people are smiling, and we see a lot of familiar faces in the crowd. Even if there's 20,000 people, we, we always see someone that is a fan, and uh, it's good. It's, it's, it's quite enjoyable to be in an organization like this. And is it different in the U.S., you say? You said Europe was really great. Is, is it a different kind of vibe in the U.S. for you? I think the U.S., and I've said this before, um, there's a certain way in which Europeans and Asian culture embraces uh, retro groups. There's a certain level of, uh, like, they honor these groups for bringing some of the greatest music. And Americans do, too. But I think it's not as high up on their list of uh, priorities to go out and see uh, certain certain groups. But on the other hand, there are people that love it. You know, we just sometimes have had a hard way to go in some of the shows in the States. But mostly, I would say, we get a 90% uh, capacity in most places, which is kind of high. Yeah, sure. I mean, I live in, you know, work in the club culture and DJ world, and there are a lot of bars where you can go and hear old music, and it's just taken that that's kind of, you know, what you hear, and that's, you know, cool, goes down well. Um, but let's uh, let's take it back to to the beginnings for you. Now, you grew up in, in the Bronx, in New York. How, how, how was it growing up in, in the Bronx, first of all? Uh, actually, growing up in the Bronx, I grew up in public housing, and where I grew up... Um, was a very nice neighborhood. Um, I didn't see it as bad, you know. The, I always remembered that there was a a chair that that propped open our front door, 
it's, it's and all of the neighbors would do the same. So I was always running in and out of people's apartments because it was just it was just everyone looked out for each other. Everyone knew each other. It was very just a very safe place back then. And then uh, during the late 60s, early 70s, there was a huge influx of heroin in the community, which kind of started taking things down a really dark path. Yeah, it did change things. Uh, but for me, I thought I lived in paradise. You know, I, I, I had great friends. I, you know, I had a, my, I grew up with only my mother, but she was an amazing lady. You know, I, I knew who to play with. My mother picked my friends. <laughs> she made sure that I was only with certain groups of individuals, and I think she did an in, incredible job with all th four of her children. But but the Bronx is, is cool. I mean, in my building, uh, on the first floor, is this guy named Africa Bambata. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and we grew up as kids together, playing together. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And did you go to his parties then, did you? No, I oh, didn't. No? No. no. Too young? No, it was a couple of things, because the parties that happened back then, and, and this is called the early days of, of hip-hop, was mostly involved with the the kids that were not so desirable. And my, right. I, and my, if my mother found out I was at a party, she would have killed me. Ah, okay. You know, so it was gang members and a lot of things, going drugs and stuff, so she was like, I didn't want to go either, so she didn't really have to tell me not to go. I didn't want to go. <laughs> you know, I was a bit of a nerd as a kid. Yeah. But did, did you hear the, the, the tapes that were rolling around of those parties? Cause oh, they... yeah, of course. Like, Ranji and Kikapri were the first mixtapes. I, I never heard a mixtape from Bambada. <clears throat> he only seemed to do more live shows, you know, at, you know, at the junior high school or in the park or whatever like that. Yeah. But he had, a, he had a big following because he, he had a lot of records. You know, his mother was a nurse. She could afford those things. Right. And he had the equipment, and he had a bunch of people that would, would carry his equipment. Right. So, Good to have friends <laughs> when you got that many records. But it wasn't, it wasn't my thing. It really wasn't my thing. So, so what got you into, into music and, and, and wanting to play the drums? Wasn't your brother? My brother, my brother was a drummer, and, and he started. I love my brother, and uh, he's about nine years <clears throat> older than me. And he was the one <clears throat> that brought drums into the house. And so I was surprised my mother let him actually do it. But the drums were in our tiny bedroom, right in the middle of our two beds. So the only way to get in and out of the room, you had to climb across the bed. So, you know, I, he would play, and then I would ask him, can I play? Right. And he would say, yeah, you can play. Just don't switch the drums around, because I'm left-handed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it ended up me staying in that style of right-handed uh, drum set, left-handed lead, so I don't cross over when I play. So when I'm playing, I can I can play a lot of percussion and other stuff with my open hand. So, oh, right. so my, it helped you out? It, 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 I think it has. So my He was the guy who started, but when he's... My brother also was a bit of a nerd, and he's he was... Um, he just retired uh, uh, as a mechanical engineer, so he's very analytical about things. So he's, it's almost when you talk to my brother, it's almost like watching the Big Bang Theory because he's so analytical about everything. So he, so he comes to me and goes, Ralph, you know, I was analyzing your style and I realized that you have the passive least resistance when you play because you actually never cross your hands. And, when, and I'm looking at him going... <laughs> I'm just in the groove. There you go. <laughs> so does he still play the drums? Or? We brought him a drum set for his... 55th birthday, I believe it was. Yeah. 
and we set him up in the house, and he gave him away. Oh, didn't want to know. Well, he gave it to a kid he said that was probably more deserving. Okay. Which, yeah, I get it. You know, we, we gave it to him because we just thought it was a fun thing to do, to give him some drums. But he gave it to a kid that was actually playing drums. My brother was running his own business and had hardly time to sleep. So playing drums was just not on the, on the list. Oh, fair enough. Nice to give it away. Yeah. It? So, uh, so what was your, your first big break then? What, what, what was the thing that kind of got you into the industry, would you um, say? Well, the first, the first big break that I received was there's a guy also in my building who lived on the first floor. Uh, his name is Wade Taylor. His nickname is Puggy. And Puggy was a drummer, and is a drummer and a singer. And he used to be in this band called Come. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was the name of the band, Come. Okay. <laughs> and they were a very funky band, and they were really good. They had horns. It was a big band, almost like cool in the gang size, big. Okay, wow. And uh, I would always hear them uh, practicing upstairs at his mother's house. And um, when... He left the group. He got a chance to play with this group called Musique. And Musique had a hit song that was produced by Patrick Adams during the disco era called Push Push in the Bush. Big song. And oddly enough, I was uh, 19, 19 years old. And he asked me, he said, you know, I hear you upstairs playing. You sounded really good. Would you like to come to audition for the group? So I told him, I said, yeah, but you got to ask my mother. <laughs> so did you do that? Yeah, he asked my mother. <laughs> and she let you? She let me go. <laughs> so did you, did you play on In the Bush? Actually, it was my first first professional gig. It was my first time out of the country. It was a lot of firsts for me. It was, it was a lot of, lot of firsts. And in fact, that record uh, was Francois Kevorkian's first ever uh, remix that he ever did. Really? For, for, for Prelude, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw him uh, with Dimitri from Paris. They did a, a chat about it uh, about a month ago. Yeah, and he was saying that he was a DJ and he went into Prelude Records to get some records to DJ with. Um, and, and they played him, well, must have been, you must have played on it. It was like an early version of In the Bush. And, and the, the guy who ran Prelude said, well, you know, honestly, what do you think of this version of this track and he said well I think it needs more something it's not quite right you know I, I, I don't think I'd DJ with it if I was playing it and the guy said well we'll have a go at re-editing it and at, at remixing it and he did and that became the hit really? <laughs> well by the time I got in the group the record was already out okay and, oh. um, I was coming in to do a tour in Mexico and um, after that, I think I toured with them a couple of times, and then it, it was done. So that was my right. introduction to to professional world of music. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> Have a hit record straight away. Now, uh, I was looking at your biog um, uh, and uh, some of the people that you've worked with, which which is incredible. In fact, every time I re-look at your biog, I see other people that you've played with, and I can't, I can't believe it. Uh, so some of the people that I've noted down here, obviously, Chic, that you do now. Now, Aretha Franklin, Queen Latifah, Biggie Smalls, D'Angelo, Paul Simon, Sting, Bono, Prince and Stevie Wonder, I read as well. I mean, that's just some. There's many, many more. Yeah. 
Which, I mean, which which ones of those stand out? You must have many stories to tell. I think the one that stands out for me the most is kind of, this is kind of crazy, it's the Aretha, Aretha Franklin story. Um, I got called to do a session by Jerry, Jerry Barnes, the bass player for Chic, and Arif Marden, the incredible legend producer Arif Marden, was producing. And Jerry's always very matter-of-fact about everything. You know, he says, uh, so listen, man, we got a session that's coming up. Arif is producing, and it's for Aretha Franklin. So I said, excuse me? He says, yeah, Arif Marden is producing for Aretha Franklin. And it's a tribute record for uh, Luther Vandross. I said, okay, is this a joke? Like, are you telling me this is like the Luther tribute record? He said, yeah. So you'll, you'll be playing on it, and this is a day and a time. So I'm, I'm feeling great about this. So we get to the studio. <clears throat> it was a remake of A House Is Not A Home. And Arif is there, and he's there with his son. And I can't speak. I'm like, he, he introduces himself, and I just kind of look at him. You know, like, this is the, this is the Arif Marden that's sitting here. And then Aretha's supposed to come, because uh, we're working on the record for her. But come to find out, she had a really bad cold and didn't want to come to the studio. So she's talking to Arif on speakerphone, telling us how she wants the record produced. Yeah, so I'm, I'm on the record, but I never actually met her. Oh. I've never seen her. Like, I've seen her live, of course. Yeah. But I've worked on her records, uh, but I've never... Reef, if you're listening, I want to meet you, Miss <laughs> Franklin. <laughs> there you go, if Reef is uh, listening to this. Yeah, I have, I have, <laughs> I have worked, I've worked on Reef's records, yeah. And you played with Luther as well, didn't you, on a live show? I did a live show with Luther, which was really cool. It was a tribute to Dionne Warwick. Okay. Really, really nice show, and it was a bunch of stars there, and I got a chance to play with Luther and, and meet with him and talk to him briefly. Uh, but it was, it was, the man has most, the most impeccable ears when it comes to what he wants and how he wants it. He hears everything. You know, so while we was rehearsing, there were certain things that he heard that he wanted changed, and, but he was very nice about it, very cordial, very cool. So I, I, I enjoyed working with him and actually meeting him. And a cool guy, was he? Yes, a very, very and cool guy. And the people that I know that, that toured with him, they all say that he was one funny, funny guy. <laughs> like he was always with jokes all the time. Very kind to his people, too. Yeah. But that, that was a, a TV show you did with him, was it? Um, that was... Other than a record? No, that was a live performance oh, okay. that I did. Dionne Warwick was there and... Isaac Hayes was there, and wow. there was, was a lot of a lot of folks that uh, was there. Yeah, it was nice. Great. Uh, I mean, I noticed that you, you've done a lot of TV shows as well, um, over the, and, and the big the big US TV shows. I mean, how is it doing a TV show with the, with the, with the band there to do it in a live show? Different kind of thing for you. Uh, the TV show that I did, I did I did two that I was the drummer for. One is called it Showtime at the Apollo which ran for over 20 years. And that show was extremely, extremely intense to be a part of because we had to, to uh, tape an entire season in four days. Wow. So that means we had to do 12 shows. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Oh, it was crazy because you got to rehearse all of the contestants, all of the music that, 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 that is important for those folks. 
and then you're up at six in the morning, and sometimes you're not finishing until eleven at night for four days. Wow. Right. Yeah, so it was good training. So uh, good training for what you're doing now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a walk in the park compared to that. <laughs> uh, okay. Another thing I was going to ask you about. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, as a drummer, uh, I was going to ask you about sampling culture. I mean, have you ever heard a track on the radio and thought I played on that? That was that was my uh, track. And, and why are they using it in in their track? And what have you thought about that? Has that ever happened? Well, I've I haven't actually heard my stuff that I could call out uh, that I've played on, but I know the musicians that I that have had that issue you know it's being a musician is like any other job it's a job you know it doesn't feel like a job but it's a job and it's almost like you go into your job and someone's stealing your hours and you're not getting paid the time that you're there so for example let's take the late uh, Clyde Stubblefield drummer for James Brown for many many years and it's probably one of the most sampled individuals as far as drums ever. Um, Which means, based on that, he should probably have been a multi, multi multi-millionaire just to say that he had went to all of those sessions and played. Mm. And just to say that he got royalties for those records that were sold with his killer grooves on it. So yeah, it's 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 actually stealing, mm. you know what it is, and and I've felt it for a very long time. You can use a sample on a record, but it was mostly from producers that wanted to have great, uh, great sounds, but didn't know how to actually get it from an individual. They knew if they heard great sounds on a record, that they could use that and say, oh, that's what I'm looking for, as opposed to getting one in, someone in the studio and going, this is what I'm looking for. I need you to give me this James Brown kind of sneer and this really cool groove. And, you know, that wasn't on the radar. They went the, they went the easy way a lot of times back yeah. then. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's an argument to say that those artists got found out about again later on, and then some of those artists would have made money out of it. But I guess... Clyde Stubblefield probably didn't make money out of the fact that people were buying loads of old James Brown CDs again in the in the 80s and 90s, I guess, did he? No, he wasn't making a dime out of it. No. You know, I mean, people have uh, uh, paid tribute to him and, you know, had them play on their records and because he was this guy. But I would say that is probably 10% of the income that he was, you know, that he was getting. That and he should have been getting the whole thing. Sure, yeah. So you know, I, I can tell you, like when now uh, heard good times uh, with the uh, rapper's delight. Yeah. What did he think about that? Well, I, I what I think what he felt was, wow, that's that's kind of cool what they did, but they didn't ask permission. Right. So he went to them and basically, you know, owned the song. But it, but it was it was replayed, wasn't it? But I think he noticed that the stab was from the record, wasn't it? I think is the story that I heard. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. But he he, it was, it's basically his song, and they have to they have to pay him for that. Yeah. You know, but the point of this is that he they didn't ask. Sure, no, no. They didn't ask, and there was a lot of hip hop artists and producers that weren't asking, mm. and at the end of the day, many of them. 
uh, lost the the uh, rights of their song. Like like I could tell you, uh, Africa Bambada when he did uh, Planet Rock, yeah. I think he sampled about five songs, mm-hmm. and he didn't ask for permission no. from any of them. But then they all came after him, you know, and got what they deserved. Mm. Yeah. Which is good in the end, really. So the live Sheik show, yes. which which you're involved with all the time, um, I got I got to talk about your your role as David Bowie. <laughs> I mean, how did that come about? And that that must be a great part of the show for you because you're you're literally running the whole thing yourself from the back there. Is it great to you? It's it's uh, it's kind of surreal to be honest with you. Um, the way how the song ended up in the show, I was in Japan, and I was reading Niall's book. And, great book. And I love David Bowie, and I swear this is the craziest thing, but I don't know how it got past me that Nile produced Let's Dance. Oh, you didn't realize? I swear. It was the stupidest thing in the world. So as soon as I read that part of the book, I called him, like, right away, and I said, dude, you produced Let's Dance. And he just started laughing, like, you must be the only person in the world that did <laughs> Like maybe I just missed that class. I don't know, but but I really didn't know. And I said, we have to put this song in the show. It has to happen. So it wasn't in before. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't even on the radar. So I said to him, it's got to get go in. He said, well, if you learn it, we'll do it. And I said, absolutely. So it was your idea, basically. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like okay, let's put less dance in. It wasn't even thought about. But now, it, it, when you when you put together a set list, you're trying to create a mood. You're trying to create a, a, a trajectory for the show. And you want that trajectory to always, you know, go up. You know, uh, you don't want too many dead spots in the show. <clears throat> so when we first put it in the show, it was kind of high up on the set list. Right. And then as it started getting the kinds of responses that it was getting from the audience, it started moving down <laughs> down the set list, okay. which now what I call the sweet spot in the show, which is right before uh, Good Times and The Freak. Right. So by that point in the show, I've tried my damnedest to work the audience into a complete and utter frenzy. And you do. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. It's, and, and, and also, it's very important to me to pay homage to David Bowie in uh, a yeah. proper way. Sure. You know, I'm not trying to, to, to in any way, make it my song. I'm no. trying to make it David Bowie's song for the Sheik Band. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, and it seems to work. You want to be respectful for it. Yeah. Exactly. So, so when I'm singing it, I'm not doing a whole bunch of me. I'm doing. I'm trying my best to give people David Bowie. Mm. You know, one of the <laughs> one of the things that I do in my very crazy life is I do voiceovers okay. uh, in New York, and I've been doing them now for about 20 years. So I'm always listening to uh, tone inflections uh, in in uh, people's voices, so um, I can get it as good as I can. So even though I'm singing the song, I'm trying to get people to think about not just Let's Dance, but I'm trying to get them to think about David Bowie is singing Let's Dance, not Ralph Rowe. Right, right. So it's, for me, it's just important. Mm. It's it's important to how people see it. But what I've added is the hype in the front, the hype in the back, 
So I've given it like almost a, a David Bowie uh, rendition remix. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it works well. I mean, is is that your favorite tune that you play? It must be in the, in the whole Chic set. My favorite song is "I Want Your Love." Oh, really? Yeah, Kimberly Davis sings her face off on that song, and I could play it all. If we played "I Want Your Love" <laughs> ten times in a row, I would be more than happy because Kim Kimberly Davis has got to be one of the most incredible singers that I've ever worked with, and I still, to this day, do not understand how she can go out on stage night after night and still have that same level of quality in her in her performance it's amazing what she does it really is so i want your love is my favorite Let's Dance is my second favorite. See, I thought it would have been on coming out because of the kind of drum fills and everything here's a funny here's a here's a funny thing about me and this is very true i wouldn't care less about a drum solo you know, there are drummers that live for drum solos. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't care. Not your thing. Doesn't, doesn't phase me. Doesn't. My thing is how I affect someone else in my performance. That's just what I live for. If I'm cooking, if I'm making love, it's never about me. It's always about the other person. That's just how I feel about music, too. It's always about how you can send that message forward to get that person to feel the best that they can possibly feel mm. and my return is that is what they get give me back which is a smile sure. or happiness yeah. that's that's it honestly so a solo you know stepping out and being a soloist is like nah, <laughs> you know yeah. I, I'll pass thing. I can do it but I just don't it doesn't I don't need the spotlight my thing is is the collective it's the band it's the it's the it's the everything it's sure. The, sure. Okay, uh, one other thing, so we're running on a bit long here, but um, uh, when you do Good Times and everybody comes on stage, I mean, first of all, whose idea was it to let everybody on stage? And and is that not annoying for you sometimes? No. People crashing into your cymbals and stuff. No. (laughs) Well, here's what we have. We have a technical crew who's our family. And the technical crew... Uh, we couldn't do the show with like if we had another technical person. It just wouldn't be the same show because everything has synergy and everything is connected. So when we get to good times, they already know the positions to take to make sure that our equipment is guarded. Ah, uh-huh, see. <laughs> so when you come on, the first thing that happens is as they're coming on, one of the technical people is standing right in front of Niles' amp so they don't bump into one of the microphones. All right, didn't the other that. technical person is standing by Jerry when it's time for him to come out front to do his solo to escort him back and forth. So we have it pretty much covered. There have been a couple of times where there were just too many people, a little too many on stage. We were, we were in... Um, we were, what, what festival was it? We was in some festival, uh, Curacao. We were in Curacao, yep. and the stage was built up kind of high, um, and it didn't feel sturdy. So when the people came on stage, it was maybe about 30 or 40 people, which if you times that, just say an average weight of 110 pounds, just say. That's a lot of weight. And the stage started swaying, and the, 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 the lights above us started moving. And I'm I'm playing the drums the whole time, looking up, 
hoping that nothing falls <laughs> on me. So when things and it, it only happened, it only happened once, but it was one time too much for me. I can imagine. Yeah. But as far as them coming on stage, I love it because it just that to me is the ultimate connection between audience and band. Because the people yeah. that aren't on stage feel like this is great. Like we are now all in one big party. Sure. It really brings everybody together and it really I like it. I like it a lot actually. Yeah. Yeah. But it was Niles idea. Totally Niles idea. Now thought of that and it was great. Right. And you've been doing that for years now. I would say about a good eight years now we've been wow. people on stage, yeah. It's been it's been cool. Yeah. Okay, well well thanks Ralph for um uh, for chatting to me. It's all great. Oh, one thing I was just say, you, you you run in these drum uh, school uh, sessions. Do yes. you want to just quickly talk about what, what what what's involved in that and how people would be, uh, you know get involved in that? Okay, well, the drum sessions and clinics that I'm that I'm conducting over here are uh, an extension of what I've done for for almost 40 years. And what I do is I try to teach individuals and, and large classes uh, about some of the fundamentals of not just drumming, but also being in the business of music. So my clinics are not just for drummers. They're for actually everybody. The topic of my, um, my clinic is how to get and keep a gig. And I, go, I talk about the tools of the trade. I talk about some of the things you should do dynamically. Uh, I talk about uh, some of the professional uh, decorum that you should have as a, as a person in order to sustain a life in the music business. What I've learned is there are some incredible players that don't necessarily work a lot because they're missing a lot of the elements that it takes. I think some musicians feel as if if you're a great musician, you will get work. That's not always the case. So I teach about, I talk about that. I talk about you don't want butt behind your name. You know, that means, yeah, that guy's good, but, you know, he comes late, he's not prepared, he left his guitar, and, and you know, he's, it's always an excuse, like like that kid in school that never finished his homework, the dog ate it. So I tell them, these things follow you around your whole career, even though it might have only been once. You know, you want to be known for being a professional. So at my clinics, I teach these things, as well as great technique and what it takes and exercises performing-wise to get that. So it's a wide range of, of, of things. They've been very, they've been very successful. I've gotten some great uh, responses from from the schools, great letters talking about that these this is probably some of the best clinics that I've ever seen, and that's that's a that's a good thing because I've always loved to teach. I started teaching at a very young age, and I I I, I love it. It's just great to see when that light bulb turns on, when someone is. Um, uh, coming to one of your clinics and they ask you questions and I email everyone back every single person that writes to me I email back yeah. that's great to pass your knowledge on and your wisdom on so, yeah, yeah. so you can find out uh, you can go to Facebook to Ralph Roll Drums that's R-A-L-P-H-R-O-L-L-E Ralph Roll Drums and it will have my schedule it will have uh, photos things of interest you can also go to my website it's uh, www.ralphroll.com there's a bunch of information there and I tell you if you write to me I'll write back okay alright well thanks very much Ralph I think we better wrap things up in chatting for a while I think there's people coming in trying to, to eat nearby so uh, thanks very much for uh, talking to me thanks to Anne as well and um, yeah cheers thanks a lot Ralph thank you so much for coming I want to thank my manager Anne McCoy for her amazing hard work that she always does 
and uh, you guys should have a manager like her. <laughs> she's she's superwoman. So thank you, Em. Thanks, Sam. Cheers.
there you go. Thanks to Ralph Roll for letting me uh, chat to him. That was, uh, that was a nice uh, bit of food and uh, some wine going down and some good conversation. Also, thanks to Anne as well for hooking that up. And if you want to find out about his drum workshops, you need to go to www.ralphroll. Roll is spelled R-O-L-L-E.com. And I also uh, shout out to everybody else uh, that I met from the band, <laughs> including Niall, who, uh, who t- took his picture with the uh, Reach Up compilation. So thank you, Niall, as well. And talking of the Reach Up Disco Wonderland compilation, let's take another track from it now, shall we? Jimmy Young. There's a track called Times Are Tight. You're locked into Soho Radio, Andy Smith, with the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show.
listening to Soho Radio, the Reach Up Disco Wonderland uh, uh, show with myself, DJ Andy Smith. And a big shout out to uh, Nick Hawks, who's uh, currently in Hong Kong. And uh, Chrissy Kaibosh, who's currently up the road. Flying solo this week, but that's no worries. All good fun. Obviously, a big thank you to Ralph Roll for that uh, wonderful interview. Many stories that man has. Okay, what do we have there? New Jersey Connection. Love Don't Come Easy. Big shout out to the Disco Freaks on that one because we were chatting about that the other night. Before that, Some Fire with Shake Your Body, which was actually on the flip side uh, of a hit they had called Young, Free and Single a long time ago. Well, that's the funkier side. And before that, from the uh, Reach Up compilation... Jimmy Young. Yep, not the radio TV DJ, Jimmy Young. Different Jimmy Young. Doing a tune called Times Are Tight. To New Jersey Connection, fantastic. Okay, got about whoa, 12 13 minutes to go, so we can fit in a couple more tunes. Next one is Bell and James. I know it's not Friday night, but you might be listening to this on a Friday night. This is called Living It Up, brackets Friday night. You're locked into Soho Radio.
you back I do want you back listening again of course but that is by the lovebirds called don't want you back on the re-edit style and before that Bell and James would live it up on a Friday night okay before I'm gonna have one more tune to go but before I go 
better tell you about some dates. There's uh, more reach-up shows. Coming up. 25th of November, I should be at the Horse and Groom in Shoreditch with a disco boogie session there. And then the monthly session at the Bussy Building in Packham in London is on the 9th of December. That was a good uh, show, that. And uh, also the 16th of December, I should be doing a reach-up session at the Mirth in Walthamstow. So uh, plenty of shows in London. Hopefully there'll be more further afield as time goes on. A big uh, thank you to everybody that bought the album last Friday or bought it since then or might get it soon. That is the uh, Reach Up Disco Wonderland compilation on BBE Records. Keep saying that, God, keep saying Okay, last tune time, and um, as we're running out of time, I think we should play this tune, which is called Time by Stone on the legendary West End label. Actually, I'm wearing a West End Records t-shirt as well. Isn't it? Thanks, everybody, catching the show. You can catch the uh, uh, the show again on Mixcloud via the uh, Soho Radio Mixcloud page, or mine, which is mixcloud.com slash DJ Andy Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you again.
Sabah, 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 sabah